You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Before I begin, I want to ask you a favor. Please go to the show notes on the podcast page and fill out a survey about the show. That would be a big help for us. Okay, now on to the show. Today I have the great Matthew Berry, ESPN's Fantasy King and part of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Please give that a listen. You'll get some great insights. But today with Matthew, he shares some of his favorite Redskin stories, his thoughts on several key fantasy football questions, both with Washington and other teams, and also how the heck did he end up at Jay-Z's house one night? But first, I want to give you my thoughts on the Redskins' decision to go with Case Keenum as their starting quarterback for the season opener. The decision, no surprise. It trended this way from the jump. The issue here is that Colt McCoy's right leg, his plant leg, is still not at full strength after the late, after breaking it in December. They're going to spend the next couple weeks trying to strengthen it so he can plant and drive the ball better. That is primarily why Keenum won this job. They do like Keenum, Keenum's experience. They like that he's improved his knowledge of the offense enough to run it to their liking. They like that he plays with confidence and that confidence can rub off on others. Players do mention how consistent he is. That said, let's not go overboard trying to sell this one. Keenum can make plays, but we saw the other night against Atlanta the full experience. He made some plays, but he also cost them by not, you know, but sometimes holding the ball too long, not throwing it away, and looking to make that big play. He will make mistakes. He will run into pressure. Keenum is kind of sort of in between what they need. They always could use someone who makes big plays. Any team needs a quarterback like that. But they also need someone who fits in that Alex Smith mold, a guy who's not going to make a lot of mistakes. It wasn't as if Smith was great last year, but they were 6-3 and three in part because he didn't turn it over. I know there were some grumblings at Redskins Park about his start last year, but he did that part very well. And the way Washington is going to have to win is by running the ball well not turning over and allowing the D to max out. It remains to be seen if any of these QBs can give them what they truly need. There are some benefits to Keenum. He did. He has started 30 games the last two years combined. He did have a level, a high level of success with Minnesota. I know that there is a different level of talent there, but the point is he did get them somewhere. He did help them get there somewhere. I also know that every week, no matter what he did, it seemed like there were questions about whether he should continue starting. Anyways, as for Haskins, do not take this as some sort of setback. If you have read me, listened to me, or seen me on TV from since they drafted him, you would know they feel it'll take him some time. There are definitely people at Redskins Park who feel he'd be best served by sitting the entire year. This isn't just about learning their offense. It's about learning to play QB at an NFL level, and that includes communication in the huddle, 
protection calls, identifying and knowing how to attack a variety of blitzes. Because he's a pocket passer and he's not going to threaten defenses with his legs, they the the feeling has been that defenses would play him with a lot more um, of a lot greater variety of looks than they would play a Kyler Murray or Robert Griffin III when he was a rookie here. And so that's going to force Haskins to have a greater depth of knowledge about the offense. Do not compare him to the Kyler Murray situation. It's dramatically different because of the use of the legs. So I think, you know, it's funny because there are those, you know, people who say that you don't learn by playing, I think in this case are wrong. There's a lot that he still has to learn and Haskins knows that and he's working toward that. He can, you know, the more he learns, the more the Redskins will be better off for it in the long run. And it's kind of funny because when he was drafted, the big complaint I heard was they're going to rush him out there early because of owner Dan Snyder. Now they're being patient. I hear an equal number of complaints about how he's being handled. Give him some time. The kid works hard. Let him develop, and he'll be good. They can't rush him out there. My gut feeling is he's going to play at some point this year. We've all seen how this team has gone over the years. Um, but I, I think the more they can let him marinate away from the game field for right now, I think the better off they're all going to be. Okay, so that's, my, that's it for me right now. Now let's get on to my interview with Matthew Barry. And now I'm joined by a very special guest. He is a Redskins fan, but he's also the ESPN fantasy football king, and that's Matthew Barry. Matthew, thank you for joining me. I know it's a busy time for you, so I appreciate you taking a few minutes here. Absolutely my pleasure, John. HTTR. <laughs> there you go. You haven't lost that enthusiasm, and I've got to imagine it's been hard to maintain that enthusiasm with this team over the years. Has it? Has it been as hard as I think? Yeah, I mean, certainly. Right? I mean, and honestly, like, I think it's that way for everyone. Yeah. I think if you ask Daniel Snyder, he would feel the same way. Like, everyone wants to win. And obviously, it has been a long time since the glory years of the Redskins and when they're winning Super Bowls in the first Joe Gibbs era. So, certainly, it has been frustrating. But by the way, that's life in the NFL. It is. There aren't that many franchises where the fan base can say, like, yeah, we're content. I mean, like, There's one. Last year. I mean, right, exactly. I mean, I mean, think about last year. Last year, they're, they're Philadelphia, the Eagles fans were booing like early in the season. Like, you guys just won a Super Bowl, <laughs> yeah. your first Super Bowl ever. And you're booing Peterson and, uh, and Foles. Yeah. And it was, it's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, it has, been, it has been somewhat tough and, and frustrating because you, you hope for the best. But I will say that, um, uh, that, you know, listen, it's in my blood. It, there's no cho- I have no choice. I'm a Redskins fan till I die. You know, and it's funny because my family's from Cleveland, so I appreciate and what Redskins fans are going through and, and their mentality and all that. And I'm my son, my middle son, is a diehard Browns fan. And like every year, he's getting that ball pulled out, but he kept going back because this is who he is. So I understand that now. But I want to kind of probe that. Like, you moved around Hang a lot. for a second, though. John, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. I, I'm curious if you feel like you've done a good job or a bad job as a parent. So your middle yeah. son... Oh, is a Browns fan. Let me right, like you could have, you could have sucked him over this, the Redskins. Well, let, here, let me tell you, it gets even worse for him because my wife, let's, my wife is her roots are New England, so, oh. so he like 
she, she, my wife has been a Redskins fan and she's also a Patriots fan because her roots are New England and she lived in Northern Virginia a lot growing up. So she's got both right. teams. My son made a conscious decision when he was a couple years old that this was the franchise he was going to root for, whereas my oldest son is a more of a uh, Patriots Redskins fan. And I like that's what I always tell my son. I grew up in Cleveland. You know, you're my family. Like they didn't have a choice. You had a choice and chose this. But you know, sometimes, sometimes I will say, sometimes it, you don't choose the teams. The teams almost choose you. And I think in his case, that's kind of what it was. And you know, is he'd go, we'd go back there a lot. And and um, so I, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, that that's why I wonder. I always tell him, it's like you had a choice. <laughs> so yeah. you had a choice. But yeah, what you and I, you and I did not. So no. And it, it feels like, if I may be candid, it feels like you steered him wrong. Um, I, there. He, had a I, he was still at an impressionable age. Hopefully, uh, you steer him better to make better choices <laughs> as, uh, as young adults. I, you know, I think he may end up spending some years in therapy over that decision too one day. But for you, you moved around a lot growing up. And now, yep. when did you? When do you? What's your earliest memories as a Redskins fan, and why they kind of became your team? Well, I lived in Virginia. I lived in uh, I lived in Richmond, Virginia, till I was about five, and I lived in Charlottesville till I was about twelve. And so, and my younger brother was born in Richmond. And so, you know, I mean, you know, growing up, uh, you know, the, the Redskins were there. I mean, like, tell you just how old I was. Like, when I, when I first became aware of the Redskins, Jack Pardee was their coach. Uh-huh. So, um, I mean, that's how old I was. But I remember my father, I must have been like five or six, and he took me to a Redskins preseason game at the old RFK. And so... You know, that was really cool, getting to go to a stadium and see a, a professional football game. And I, 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 like, I had, like, a plastic Redskins helmet that I oh, wore. Yeah. I was so excited about it. And, you know, I, I remember, I remember uh, sending away for autographs, like, as a seven-year-old mm. or something like that, seven-year-old, and both, uh, you know, to a lot of players, and both Joe Theismann and Ken Houston sent back uh, signed autograph pictures to me. Cool. Which, you know, hung on my wall for, forever. And uh, many years later, many, many years later, I got to, uh, I actually met Joe uh, at ESPN and uh, I got to tell him that story and, and thank him for that, and, you know, uh, which was just very cool. You know, that stuff is, uh, that stuff's important when you're a little kid. It is. And, you know, it's funny that you say that about the Theismann anecdote, because I was going to ask you that because the position you're in, I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to go back to my own background. Having grown up in Cleveland, I wrote a book about the Browns in the late 90s about their history at, at Municipal Stadium and some of the great players there. And because that's where I grew up, and so it's very meaningful. And I remember I'd get off the phone with like a Paul Warfield, and i call a friend of mine, I'm like, yeah, guess who I just talked to? What are some of, you know, you have probably had a few of those moments. What are some of these other moments that have stood out to you like that? In terms of like who I've gotten, in terms of who you've gotten to know, or is there someone that you call up and it's like you, you either whether you're a brother or someone else that you're you're texting and saying, "Oh man, I just met this person, or I got this picture with this person." Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I've had a a, a truly blessed life in, in that respect. I mean, I've had a a super weird career, specifically the Redskins. Um, uh, one uh, like two years ago at the combine, at the NFL combine. And, and through the years, and, you know, I'm very blatant and open about my Redskins homerism. And so, as a result, I've gotten to know a lot of the people around the team, which has been uh, exciting and a, and a pleasure for me. But um, so, uh, last, I think last year at the Combine, and, uh, you know, Bram and John, you guys have, 
you guys have been at the at the combine before, so you know what this is like, right? Yep. But um, uh, you know, there, it's really spread out for people who've never been. And so we were at the at the player evaluation place, and I met Doug Williams, mm. and he was just like, oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm heading back to the hotel where he's staying, and we were staying at the same hotel. So I ended up walking with him. It's probably about a 15 minute walk all the way back to where we were staying from the from the place where the players were being evaluated. And so we just sort of talked the entire way and he couldn't have been lovelier. And so that was just really cool. Like, you know, just, you know, to get 15 minutes with, uh, with Doug, uh, was amazing. And, uh, you know, so, so that's been, that's been very cool. Meeting Theismann was really cool. Um, uh, you know, that was very cool in terms of Redskins in terms of just general, like, I mean, I've had such a weird career, John. I mean, mm-hmm. my first job out of college, was I was George Carlin's assistant. I know, yeah. You know, so, you know, getting to, to, to know George, who was just the complete opposite offstage as he was on stage. And on stage, he was sort of this angry, ranty guy, hilarious, of course, a legend. Funny, But Very offstage, funny. he couldn't have been the, you know, a more, uh, a more mild, sweet, uh, well-mannered, kind, gentle soul. Like, he just a, just a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, so, you know, that was, you know, that was bananas, like just working with George Carlin for a year and being his assistant. Um, you know, like I'm a, I'm a big Howard Stern fan, so getting to go on that show and uh, a couple of times yeah. and, and meet Howard has been uh, great. But, I mean, probably like the craziest thing that's under that category is, like, I'm in the Avengers movie. Like, I know, I'm I know. A, I'm a, you know, for anyone that's not aware, like I, Avengers Endgame, I'm a, I'm a, I play a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Um Spoiler alert here for a second. I played Robert Redford's S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, like his main guy. And so, like, you know, I spent two days on set with Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, and Robert Redford, you know, which is just bananas. Do they ask you fantasy advice? Uh, we None of them asked me fantasy advice, but um, I did talk about fantasy football with uh, Robert Downey Jr., because so, he's played before, and so we talked about that, and he had heard me on Stern, so he knew... <laughs> He knew who I was, and so um, uh, anyway, so we had a really good conversation about that. And his producing partner, who was there on set, was, is a big fantasy player. So talked with him as well, and um, just everyone, you know. I mean, like, like you know, in the Avengers, like the directors, Anthony Joe Russo, they're big fantasy players. So getting to meet them uh, was amazing, and um, you know, just everyone that's in that scene that I'm in. And so you know, Mark Ruffalo plays the Hulk, and. Uh, uh, Chris, Hem- um, Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, and Robert Downey Jr., who plays Iron Man, and uh, Redford, of course, and uh, Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki. So, you know, it was just a real, a very surreal uh, two days, you and, know. And then, then, of course, it's not only just meeting them, but literally working. Like, I'm acting. Like, there's literally a scene <laughs> in the movie. There's a frame in the movie, John, uh, and it's, you know, it's available on digital Blu-ray now if anyone wants to check it out. But um, if you haven't seen it already, it's number one world of all, number one movie of all time. Uh, but... You know, there's a scene in that movie. There's a, like a, a shot, like if you pause the movie, and the only four people on screen are Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Robert Redford, and me. And it's, like, <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like bananas. Right? How it's is that not your avatar? Right. I, well, exactly, right. It should be. Um, uh, I, I may have to. I have, I have another photo as, uh, on Twitter as my avatar, which is a photo we took off camera uh, of me, both Robert and the Russo brothers, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I should probably do that as well. Like it's just, it's the old Sesame street thing. Like one of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. Like the idea that 
the idea that, that me being good at fake football somehow <laughs> led to me acting with two, with, you know, um, with Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Redford, two of the most iconic acting legends of all time. It's in, in a major motion picture, by the way, not some dumb goofy thing, but literally the, the highest grossing movie worldwide of all time is, you know, it's bananas. It's got to be. Bananas. And, and I'm going to get back to the Redskins in a minute, but I want to follow along this path, too, because wasn't it it was married with children that kind of got you to where you are now wasn't it wasn't there some leap that you made from because of that show writing for that show um yes that that's correct john so i was so again i've had a really weird career i moved i, I went to syracuse university uh i wanted to be a television and movie writer i moved out to hollywood with a with a buddy that i met in college to try to pursue that i got a job my first job was on the george carlin show he had a sitcom just how i became his assistant um so I just did grunt work for a couple of years, and then I ended up becoming a writer. And so one of the first shows I got to write for, like the second show I ever did, was Married with Children. And uh, so, but fantasy sports has always been my passion. It's always been a uh, something that I love. I've been playing since I was 14 years old. And so this was 2005, and, uh, or, or no, I take that back. This was, yeah, Married um yeah, I think that was, no, uh, I take that back. It was probably like, Marilyn Children was probably 2000, would have been, uh, no, oh, I'm sorry, 1995. I've got my my years all mixed up. I knew it was a five. So I was writing for Marilyn Children in 1995. Um, and then a couple of years later, uh, popular fantasy sports website, Roto World, right. was advertising for fantasy writers. And again, this is, so this is 1999 now, just sort of time frame it, right? So, 95, I wrote A Married with Children. 1999, I'm writing on another sitcom. But uh, Roto World is advertising for fantasy writers. And in 1999, if people remember, that was the days of AOL and CompuServe right. and like, you've got mail. Like it was a novel thing in 1999 to get an email. I still use like, AOL. Yeah, which is insane, right? <laughs> Do you really? It's my, back, it's my backup backup. Uh, Anyways, I, I didn't mean to interrupt this story. I still have an AOL account somewhere, but it's just it's filled with spam, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I haven't checked it in a year. Uh, but anyway, so, you know, there wasn't a, it was a small website at the time, but uh, it was good. And so I, I wrote them a note saying, hey, I'm a professional writer living out here in Hollywood, uh, but fantasy sports is my passion. I love it. And I think it would be so much fun to write a column on the side for you guys. Could I, uh, could I send you a sample? Could I try out? And they wrote me back the next day and said, we looked you up on IMDb. Married with Children is our favorite show of all time. You're hired. <laughs> so because I had written, you know, uh, fat jokes for Al Bundy, um, <laughs> I got a chance to write for free for a small internet website that no one had heard of about fake football and in 1999. Here you are. And here you are. Do you ever miss, do you ever miss, I know like things have gone great for you. Do you ever miss working on a script? I do sometimes. I really do. You know, uh, a couple of years, so I wrote a book called Fantasy Life right. in 2013, did well. Fox, the Fox Network, picked it up to make a sitcom out of it, to make, it, like, make a sitcom out of my life. And uh, it ended up not going to series. It, it got picked up to a pilot. We shot a pilot, um, and it ended up not getting uh, picked up to go to series. But, you know, I spent, like, a, a couple of weeks out in L.A. working with the producers of the show and, you know, working on casting and uh, sitting in the room and punching up jokes and coming up with storylines. And, you know, it, it was really fun. It was really, really fun. And, uh, 
you know, there are moments when I miss it, certainly. Well, it's funny because your, your life has played out like a Hollywood script. And, you know, I mean, that's that's just the way it's gone seemingly for you because there's the, the TV that you're doing, the podcast, everything that you're doing. It's just in the way it started, it just feels like a, a movie script itself. It, it, it is. It, there is a little bit of an unbelievable quality to it, you know, in terms of some of the things I've been able to do. And, you know, it all comes from literally fantasy football. And so, you know, like, you know, I, I was thinking it, it, it slipped my mind. I mean, this gives you an idea of how insane this is, John. Like, so you were asking me about, like, some of the people I've gotten to meet because of fantasy football. So when I went through, you know, some of the, some of the Redskins right. and, you know, and, and, and Carlin and, and Stern and, and the Avengers, and I completely forgot to mention Jay-Z. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> that's I mean, bearing like, the lead. That's how insane it is. Wow. Like, I mean, like, freaking Jay-Z. But, like, yeah, eight years ago, I blew the punchline here, but the, eight years ago I get a call from somebody saying, a guy named Mike, and he says, hey, Matthew, I'm a big fan of yours. We're having our fantasy draft in August in New York City. We would love for you to come down, you know, hang out, sort of grade our picks, um, you know, kind of run it for us. And I'm like, listen, I, I appreciate it, man, but I'm just, you know, I'm, August is my busiest month. I just, I really just don't have time to go to random people's drafts. I apologize. But, and he goes, well, it's for Jay-Z's draft. <laughs> you need me, right? I mean, like, you know, you're like, all right, well, when am I there? So, and, uh, I'm going again this year, so this year will be my uh, either my eighth or ninth year going, and um, yeah, so it's insane that um, yeah, I mean like once a year, I, like I, I certainly wouldn't claim that we are friends, uh, but like you know, I have his cell number. You know, we text about fantasy football sometimes. That's fantastic. And once a year, I I sit next to him for about four hours, um, and you know, as I as uh, as he and his friends draft fantasy football, you know, so it's. Uh, it's insane, and the fact that I, I somehow forgot that. <laughs> I mean, it's been a it's been a very blessed life, John. There's no question about it, and a lot of it, if not all of it, comes from fantasy football and candidly also the the power and popularity of ESPN. So, sure, those two things combined have uh, so you know, them out. So, has he texted you what team he was going to buy? He is not. Okay. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I one of the things that I think Jay likes about me is that I never ask him about anything in his life. Like, literally, the entirety of our conversations are always about his fantasy football team. Like, that's it. Like, I never, I don't ask him about Beyonce, I don't ask him about his upcoming tour, I don't ask him about his business, I don't ask him about, you know, any. I don't ask him about his sports interests. Literally, like, you know, I don't bug him. I don't, you know, <laughs> like, if he, wants, if he wants to talk a little fantasy with me, I'm happy to do it, but otherwise I don't. I'm, him. I'm, so, letting, uh, I'm letting Jay-Z steer the conversation. Yeah, I'm letting Jay-Z steer the conversation to where it needs to go. Obviously. Hey, go, let's go back to the Redskins for a minute here, too. When you look at this team this year, and obviously it's a big year for Jay Gruden, what, do you, what are your expectations for this group? You know what, I'm cautiously optimistic. And, I, you know, people think I'm insane when I say this. It's interesting. So, you know, John, you and I, we have a colleague, Mike Clay, mm-hmm. who, uh, who does fantasy stuff and also does some NFL stuff for us over at ESPN, and he was a part of the podcast event I did last night in New York City. Uh, I should mention, you know, hey, Fantasy Focus. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this, you like podcasts, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast go. every day on, the, on ESPN and Spotify and everywhere you get a podcast. Okay, so I'm talking to him, and he graded out and ranked the entire rosters of every NFL team. Yep. And he's saying to me, he says the Redskins have a bottom five roster. And I said, I disagree with that. 
I said, listen, you can. There's a lot of question marks you can ask, and you can question ownership. You can question uh, the front office. There's a lot of things that you can certainly legitimately uh, ask questions about. But that's not a bottom five roster in the NFL. There's talent there. That's going to be a good defense. It is going to be a good defense. Um, and you know, there are some. The offense is a question mark, but you know, there's a couple of players on that team that skill wise that I think are interesting. Obviously, especially if you include Trent Williams, and so. Uh, I got angry at him about this. So we're talking about this. And he said, dude, you're a bottom five roster. And I said, if that's true, if the Redskins are truly a bottom five roster in the NFL, Jay Gruden should be coach of the year. <laughs> Jay Gruden, I'm dead serious. Yeah, no. It... I'm crazy when I say that. But John, Jay Gruden got seven wins for two straight years out of a team that had over 50 players on injured reserve. Yeah. Right? I mean, Jay Gruden was – Jay Gruden – at a playoff game late in last season, a game with, uh, not a playoff game, but a game with playoff implications late last season where he had to start a quarterback he had signed three weeks earlier. And they almost won. And by the way, they should have won that. Should have. The Tennessee game. Should have won that BS ticky-tack pass interference call that kept the driver ride from Blaine Gabbert. Like, like, they were competitive in that game. Like, you got a kid, like, Jay Gruden has literally somehow gotten seven wins out of a bottom five NFL roster, according to Mike Clay, over the last two years. And no team has suffered the injuries that the Redskins have. So, um, you know, I, listen, I, I just – I think I think Jay gets a bad rap. Like, you know. Yeah, it, it's – I think I, I legitimately do. After this quick break, I'll have more of my interview with Matthew Berry, including some key fantasy football questions that he's going to answer. And now back to my interview with Matthew Barry. It's 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 been brutal, and you know some of the pro, some of the questions here come back to a couple guys in offense. I'm going to ask you about, and the one the first guy I'm going to ask you about every time I mention him on Twitter, the the response is always, "Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me 500 times, shit, you know. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 500 times, shame on me." Jordan Reed, because I I I, sure. I put out there that this is the best he's looked this summer in several years because it's the first summer in a few years where he's been able to go through a full camp without issues. And, you know, but I'm from your perspective, what would you tell people where to take him? You're going to take him late. I mean, right now he's currently going like in the 16th round on ESPN.com. The argument against Jordan Reed, obviously, is never talent. We know how insanely talented it is. It's always health. Right. Can he stay on the field? And so my argument back about that is like, that's baked into his ADP, his average draft position. Like, uh, you can... The, the fact that there's a significant injury risk with Jordan Reed is baked into the fact that he's going in the 16th round. But tell me there's a player going, you know, in the 14th, 15th, 16th round that has the kind of upside that Jordan Reed does, especially in a position like tight end, where there's so few consistent fantasy performers. So, you know, I like, uh, I like Jordan Reed. I, I read those reports as well, John, that you do. You, you always do such a great job covering the team. You know, as you and I have discussed off-microphone, off I was a longtime fan of yours before we ever got to meet or became colleagues just because your coverage of the Redskins has always been How do I uh, rank so with Jay-Z? How do I uh, rank with Jay-Z? Um, <laughs> well, I'm just going to go by JK now. Category. Well, you're, you're both in my phone. <laughs> okay. You're both in my phone. There you go. I answer both of your texts. There you go. That's, uh, that's good enough for me. Right. 
I've categorized you in different areas. There you go. I'm I'm great with that. Um, And I I will say, going back to Jordan, though, I mean, he really looks good. And and I've seen him his whole career. This is the best he's looked in a while, and this past game is still focused on him. So, excuse me, as long as he's out there, the numbers will be there. And I think he's more explosive than he was last year, and you can see that in practice. I can see the different way he's attacking defensive backs and all that. Darius Geis is the other guy because I think he's a guy that – The thing I will say, by the way, is just if you look at some of the underlying numbers on Jordan Reed, Jordan Reed last year very quietly fourth in the NFL at the tight end position in both targets per route run and catches per route run. So, I mean, like, when he was out there, they were trying to get it to him. Like, he didn't score as much as you obviously would like. And, you know, he's obviously the quarterback position for the Redskins last season. But, look, a healthy Jordan Reed is is certainly very interesting, especially on a team uh, like the Redskins where they don't have a lot of pass catching right. options. We were talking about, uh, on the podcast the other day, we were talking about the uh, a couple other people, and one of the things we brought up was, like, there's, a, there's only a few people in the NFL. We were talking about Travis Kelsey. And like, Travis Kelsey is one of the few tight ends in the NFL that has a chance to lead his team in targets. Right. And and I said, and we were talking about what, what are some other tight ends that have a chance to lead their team in targets. And we, we mentioned Evan Ingram has a chance. And I said Jordan Reed. Absolutely. Jordan Reed absolutely has a chance to, uh, to a, lead the Redskins in targets. A thousand percent agree. Um, yeah, what thoughts on Darius Geis? Because he's a guy last year at this time, well, before his knee injury last year, Looked, looked like he was going to be a really good player. What, where, what would you tell people about him? First off, I love Darius Geis. One of my favorite players and possibly my favorite player currently on the Redskins. Really? Um, just, you know, I, got, I got, got to interview him twice, and I just, you know, John, I don't know how you found him, but I will tell you that, you know, in my interactions with him, I found him uh, fun and playful and, you know, optimistic and yeah, yeah. charismatic, and I just – really really uh enjoyed interacting with him and was not expecting that yeah i enjoyed talking to him as well that's my experience as well yeah i mean so and it does seem like from from social media and just you know talking to people in the dc area it does seem like the fan base has really embraced him that he's done a great job of sort of uh you know especially given the fact that he tore an acl and you know in, in a in a preseason game last year and didn't get to play um and that's after, by the way, his his fantasy, not his fantasy, his actual NFL stock dropping for some unknown off-field issues, whatever. Because people, I think, forget that Darius Geis, that Darius Geis was considered, widely considered, the second-best running prospect yeah. last year coming into the draft just, just behind Barkley. And so, I mean, a lot of people, I, a lot of mocks that I had going into that draft or that I saw had, uh, had Geis going, you know, to the Redskins' in the first round, Correct. like at 15 or wherever they picked two years ago. Um, and so that the fact they were able to trade back in the second round and still grab him was amazing. So in terms of what I'm telling people, like he's currently going like the eighth or ninth round on ESPN.com. People are, people are concerned about Adrian Peterson. People are obviously concerned about the injury history. People are concerned about uh, the, two back, the two down nature of him. That, you know, Chris Thompson's going to come in on third down. So he's been wildly discounted. And what I have said, and you, John, you cover the team closer yeah. than I do, so you tell me if I'm wrong on any of this. What I've said is, it's like, first off, think about the Redskins offensively. Think about what they did last year. People forget they were six and four and in first place when Alex Smith got injured, right? And so, and what they, and the way, the way they got there, they played good defense. Really they ran the crap out of the ball and they didn't turn it over. That's what and they I need said, to do this year. And that's what I think they're going to do this year. Yep, it like, definitely is what they, they want to do what they want to do right they they you know they sign landon collins they trade up for montez what like they feel like um you know i would think that 
the defense is going to be a strength of this team, which is crazy to think about a Redskins team where the defense is a strength. But I think that's where we're at. And obviously, whether it's whether it's Case, whether it's Dwayne, whether it's Colt, whoever's being quarterback, like you know, there's there's not a lot of talent, um, a proven talent, in terms of the pass catchers or at the quarterback position. So I think, given that, I think that's what they want to do. Is they're going to play good defense? They're going to run the crap out of the ball. Try not to turn it over and try to win a bunch of games like 16, 13, 20 Ab- to 17, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And, um, and so, so you're looking at a run-heavy offense, and certainly I would feel better about Geis or the running game if Trent Williams were back. But you're looking at a, a, a run-heavy offense. Um, the other piece of it is, is that, you know, I interviewed Jay Gruden at the, at the Combine, and I asked him about Darius Geis, and the first thing out of Jay Gruden's mouth was, well, one thing you like about him is he doesn't have to come off the field. Correct. He can, like, they he like him catching the ball. down back. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. People. Yeah. Exactly. That people don't think that he can catch the ball because he just never did that at LSU. But you they've know, the been very excited about that. Season. Yeah. He's a really good pass catching running back. So that was the first thing that Jay said is that he didn't have to come on the field. So that helps out in fantasy. And then I also feel like as great as Adrian Peterson's season was, and that maybe it's a bit of a timeshare, you know, early on as they sort of ease guys back in. But I feel like over the second half of the season. This is Darius Geis' team. Like he's the future, and they need to they need to see what they have in him. Um, uh, you know, as opposed to you know Adrian, who's you know towards the later part of his career. And I think I'm going to switch for just a couple questions on the um, some you national things. Yeah, and like the one thing I'll say with Geis before I get there is to the run game um, this season. I think one thing they have on the outside with the receivers are better potential blockers. And I only bring that up because it can lead to longer runs. And that's one thing they're excited about with Geis is the ability to hit home runs. And when you have guys like McLaurin, um, Kelvin Harmon, even Cam Sims on the outside, that when they, if they block the way they feel they can, then it can lead to those kind of runs that you can pile up some yards. So that's a good thing for him. So I want to turn to a couple of national questions. That are okay. Um, there are four guys before we, that... Before, we get, there, before okay. we get there, John, I'll just, I'll just real quick, as long as we're talking Redskins and we're talking fantasy, okay. I will say that I think, um, especially in dynasty leagues, but as a late-run flyer, you know, I keep hearing great things about McLaurin. Yes. Obviously, we expect Dwayne Haskins to be the starting quarterback of the Redskins at some point this season, or at least I do, right? And so, um, you know, and obviously there's a connection there. So McLaurin, I think, is a sort of an interesting late-round flyer. Agreed. I love him in Dynasty League. And also, like, if you're in a PPR league that 12 teams are deeper, I feel like Trey Quinn is kind of going under the radar. My fear with him are the injuries, but if he is healthy, I'm glad you brought him up. If he is healthy, I think he's going to be a high-target guy because this passing game, for people listening, this is an inside-out passing game. That means tight ends, slot receivers. So I think he would – I agree with that. He's got to stay healthy, and that's the only thing I have a question about with him. If he is, then I think he's going to have a high-target usage there. So awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. That, and then, so let me ask you about a couple guys and I'll let you off here and I appreciate your time. Um, and this is a f- group of four, but uh, you can probably figure Antonio Brown, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Josh Gordon. What should people do with those guys when it comes to drafts? All right. So let's take them one by one. We'll start with Antonio Brown. Uh, look, the only, the thing about Antonio Brown is, look, we know insanely talented player. One of the best wide receiver in the NFL. The difference here this year is that the previous six seasons, going into the fantasy football season, Antonio Brown was the number one wide receiver. That's a guy literally as close to money in the bank, fantasy football-wise, as you could get. There was never a question and no risk. And this year there's risk. Will he command a massive target? Sheridan when he plays, of course he will. Is he an insanely talented player? Of course he is. 
But going from Big Ben to uh, Derek Carr, that's a downgrade. Right. Going from um, an offense that threw deep. Remember, two, last two years, Antonio Brown, 40% of his fantasy points came on deep passes. Big Ben, one of the best deep passers in the NFL. Right. Last year, last two years, I should say, Derek Carr, among qualified quarterbacks, one of the worst in terms of air yards per target. Now, he didn't have Antonio Brown. He didn't have Tyrell Williams. He's going to have more weapons this year. But still, he's much more of a dink and dunker than Ben Roethlisberger is. And then you get to, you know, then that's before you get to, um, so you get an offense that isn't going to be as good, a quarterback isn't as good. He's not going to have nearly the connection with Carr that he did with Ben. He had just an insane connection. Um, and so, I, you know, you can see so many plays in your mind of like Ben, you know, shrug, uh, shrugging off a tackler, you know, uh, rolling right, extending the play, and Antonio just throwing up his arm and like kind of playground football. And, you know, it goes for like 60 yards and right. a touchdown. Um, so he's just not going to have that. And that's before you get to the helmet thing, before you get to the feet thing. So there's risk with Antonio Brown where there wasn't before. I currently have him as wide receiver nine. Okay. So I still have him as a top ten wide receiver, but much closer to the end of that as opposed to the you know the number one no-brainer that he's been the last five or six years. Uh, the second player you asked about, Todd Gurley. Uh, uh, well, it was Z, the guys are Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Josh Gordon. So I'll take the easier one first, which is Melvin Gordon. I don't want Melvin Gordon this year. Okay. I mean, I'm, you know, Adam Schefter said on the Fantasy Football Marathon that we did on ESPN last week that he has concerns that this is going to last into the season. Mm. And the truth is, is that if you sort of read between the type, read between the lines there and what Adam's saying, and then you also sort of like look at the look right. at the tea leaves, right? Melvin Gordon wants to be paid like one of these elite running backs. And the Chargers know that he's not one of these elite running backs. Like, he's a B. Like, and there's nothing wrong with a B. I don't mean that insultingly. Right. But, like, he's not at that upper tier. Like, he's a very good player. He's not a great player. And, he's, he's, and the problem is he's a very good player at a position that, where there's easily – where there's a, a, a high level of, of production you can get from just a replacement-level guy. The Chargers went – Melvin Gordon got hurt last year, and the Chargers went 4-0 in the games in which he wasn't there. They went 4-0 with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. And so do I think – Anthony Lynn, a former NFL running back, would prefer to have Melvin Gordon in camp? Of course he would. But I think the Chargers front office is like, we're at $10 million a year. We've offered you what we think is an extremely fair contract. You don't want it? We're okay. And he wants, like, you know, Melvin wants 12 to 13. And so, you know, there he does not, in order to play for the season and, you know, be able to uh, become a free agent next year, he needs to show up by week 10. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Okay. There's a real right. possibility – that he waits, he just says, he, he tries to pull a semi-Le'Veon Bell, and right. says, you know, I'm going to show up till week 10. And then, you know, so I, I, undraftable may be too strong a word, but in terms of where he's going, there's just too much risk there for me at the moment. As for Ezekiel Elliott, you know, that one's a tougher one. I feel like that's got a better shot at getting done. Because, again, Cowboys, you know, Jerry Jones, 76 years old. There's like, you know, there's a short window here. Um, I think Jerry wants to get something done feels like um and also again like if ezekiel elliott doesn't play remember last year ezekiel elliott accounted for over 36 percent of the cowboys yards from scrimmage the highest rate in the nfl by any one player um that ezekiel elliott uh if he doesn't play they're looking at like alfred morris tony pollard who's an exciting rookie but like they don't have the proven production behind him the way that the chargers do you know and a year ago, we would have said Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler. We don't know. But the Chargers got four games with those two guys and went 4-0, so they know what they've got in there. 
Um, and so this feels like there's a little bit more urgency right. to trying to get Zeke done or a little bit more optimism there. Having said that, um, if, if I knew Zeke was playing all 16 games, he'd be my number two running back overall and my number two player overall. Right now I'm at number nine. So I've dropped him, and as we get closer and closer to the, pre, to the actual season, you're going to have to keep dropping him. So it just sort of depends, I guess, to answer your question, John, what would I tell people? It depends on what kind of player you are. Understand there is risk here with Ezekiel Elliott. My gut, and this is based on no inside sources, my gut feels like something gets done with Zeke and they figure that out, um, and something doesn't go with uh, Melvin Gordon. So I'm okay taking a little bit more of a flyer on Zeke, but it, again, depends on what kind of player you are. If you are risk-averse, you should not draft Ezekiel Elliott, and if you're like sort of YOLO, whatever, if I don't come in first, it is what it is. You know, second is only the first second, is the first loser. If that's your attitude, then yeah, go for Zeke. Because if you get him at the end of the first round, that's an absolute bargain if he plays all 16. And I was going to ask you about Josh Gordon, but I want to close on this. Is there one guy that you say being underdrafted so far? Oh, uh, there's a lot of guys. I mean, um, you know, I'll tell you, like, uh, I'll, I'll go one by position, right? So a quarterback that I think is being underdrafted is Jameis Winston, currently going at QB 19. I think he's going to have a monster fantasy season with Bruce Arians. Remember last year, it was a little bit of a mixture between uh, Fitzpatrick and uh, Jameis Winston, but the Tampa Bay quarterback was the second-best quarterback in fantasy. And so all the elements that were there uh, that made the Tampa Bay quarterback an elite fantasy play are back again, right? A talented mm-hmm. crew of pass catchers, Evans, Godwin, and, uh, and, and O.J. Howard to start. Um, you've got a bad defense, and you have an inability to run and you have a, an aggressive, fantasy-friendly play caller in Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. So, I mean, they're going to chuck it down the field. I think Arians is a great coach for Winston's skill set. So that's a guy that I think is being underdrafted uh, at the quarterback position, at the running back position. How about Kalen Balaj, who mm. I think is going to be the starting running back of the Miami Dolphins? Yeah. He's going like in the 12th or 13th round. I've seen him go undrafted in some leagues as well. You know, he is big. He is fast. He's a good pass catcher. Like, just Imagine if Brandon Jacobs was fast and could catch passes. Right. That's literally what you're dealing here with Kalen Blige. Like he's six foot four, like two forty. Like he's a massive human being. But he also runs a four four forty and caught a ton of balls at Arizona State. I think they misused him last year in Miami. I think it's one of the reasons why Adam Gates is no longer there. Um, it, there's really only like him and Kenyon Drake, who's now dealing with a foot injury. So again, we don't expect the Dolphins to be great, but they're going to be competitive. I mean, they're not going right. to be awful, or even if they're awful, like. Kalen Blage is going to get work. If you're starting NFL He's running back, work. there's a value in fantasy football. And Kalen Blage is just being completely undrafted or going way too late. Uh, at wide receiver, in terms of a guy that's being undrafted, there's a lot of guys. But I'll say, you know, we just talked about him. Emmanuel Sanders, yeah. who prior to his injury last year, if you take out the game where he got injured, up until that game, he was the 12th best wide receiver in fantasy. That was last year. And he's always traditionally in fantasy been a top 20-ish guy. And he's currently going as wide receiver 37, which makes sense given the, you know, the Achilles injuries and everything like that. But you saw that Monday night game, and if you've seen like any of the, the videos he's posted like on Instagram or social media of him practicing, he doesn't look like a guy that's eight months removed from an Achilles injury. Like, he's unbelievable. And so, like, uh, you know, Joe Flacco is nothing special, but I don't think he's a significant downgrade from Case Keenum, right. which is what, you know, uh, uh, whatever Emmanuel Sanders had last year. And so, anyway, so I think Emmanuel Sanders is somebody who's being uh, underdrafted. And then finally, a tight end, Darren Waller, the Oakland Raiders. He's not, going, he's not being drafted at all. I currently have him as my tight end 15. Like, again, converted wide receiver from Georgia Tech. He's big. He's fast. There's not a lot of stats to give you um, but, uh, because he hasn't played that much. 
But I'll tell you a, a quick anecdote. Okay. I was, when I was at the Combine, I was speaking with Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator of the Oakland Raiders. And I said, give me a sleeper in your team. Just give me any sleeper. Remember, at this point, Jared Cook was still on the team. Right. I said, give me a sleeper. And he goes, Darren Waller. Hmm. He goes, you know, a kid we picked up from Baltimore, tight end, converted wide receiver. We think we've got something special there. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, obviously, Jared Cook moves on. The Raiders doesn't, uh, doesn't come back to the Raiders. He's now in New Orleans. Darren Waller is a starting, uh, starting tight end for the, for the Raiders. And we know that was a, you know, it, it won't be the same amount of target share that Jared Cook got last year because of Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams and Josh Jacobs. They got more mouths to feed now. But, like, Derek Carr likes to throw to the middle of the field, and so does John Gruden. And so yep. I think Darren Waller is somebody who's being un- underdrafted because he's not being drafted at all. And I do think he's going to be a factor in fantasy this year. Awesome. Matt, That I appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you coming on and spending – kept you on a lot longer than I think I probably told you I would. So I appreciate your patience and all the stories. Thank you very much for coming on. Tell her when to download the ESPN Fantasy app. I was just going to say that. You just did it. Great. Awesome. Thanks, you. Thanks, Matthew. You bet, John. Thanks so much. Okay, that's it for now. Thank you very much to Matthew Berry for joining me. Again, please listen to the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. And as always, thank you for tuning in.